Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. To the masters, break it down. Back with you again following last week where we went over some of our favorite stacks. That is two weeks in a row around these parts. We call that a goddamn streak. It is your guy, Cody Kutzer, at FF, rocking, as always, with Matty Buckets at Matty DFS and the CEO, the Prez, the PIC of these TFA parts. That is Mr. Kevin Still find him at Fantasy Wrath 13. Tonight we're going to be talking about overvalued and undervalued guys as far as best ball goes. We're going to be basing it off of underdog the way we've been doing it all offseason. Before we jump into it, uh, we are super stoked about this new intro that we got. So we're going to hit you guys with that now. Drop a comment, let us know what you guys think, and then we'll uh, we'll jump in to this puppy. It's on here. Six to midnight. I, just went straight from six to midnight. I think we can just end the show there and just call it a success for the night. I, I think that's really – Good enough I for love me. It, man. I, I love it. But we do have a show for you guys. Like I said, we're going to go undervalued, overvalued. I didn't really throw this out to, uh, to you guys pre-show, so I'll do a little bit of rambling here. But I do just want to get – just for anyone, because I think we kind of just assume that everyone who's, who's watching our content, like, knows everything right like they're coming in this as like seasoned fantasy football players so i do want to get you know just some general thoughts on how you guys kind of approach this as far as undervalued and overvalued is it simply you know guys you think are going to either under or outperform their current price or how are you guys looking at this if you were to define undervalued and overvalued like to get your uh your guys's thoughts on that uh, for me, it's just players that I think, that in terms of ADP and where they're being drafted, that are uh, a little bit under uh, underpriced or overpriced, uh, or people are putting a little bit too much stock into them. That, that's how I uh, define it. Maddie, same thing for you. Yeah, I think it's pretty cut and dry for me too. Um, I mean, maybe some some undervalued guys uh, who just have bigger ceilings than others, uh, based on the players that they're being drafted around. Maybe not necessarily uh, ADP but just the the area of where they're being drafted, which we'll talk about a couple uh, of guys who may be overvalued for the same reasons. So, yeah, it's pretty much ADP-based, but I, I do uh, kind of factor in the players that they're going around to. Yeah, I just, I just want to bring that up. Like I said, I think that's something that 
we could probably do a, a better job of in general, just kind of like defining these things for people who might be newer to best ball or just fantasy football in general. And that's, I mean, I, I think that was kind of a, a softball to toss up there, but I still think it was good to just kind of get your guys' thoughts on that. And shout out to Ashton rocking with us in the chat. He liked the intro. And Walito coming through with that $10 Canadian super chat. Hey man, we, we, we appreciate it, man. That's a, uh, that's going to allow us to put like what, like 25 cents toward the, uh, the intro we just paid for. So we, uh, we appreciate you helping us chip away at that while later that, that Canadian money coming in strong. Can we get like, does YouTube do emojis like where you can have emojis next to people's name? Cause we need to get a goat next to Walido's name. I think they have something. I think if you have like uh if they're, if we were set up like a membership, I think people can get that kind of stuff. Just a goat, just throwing like, puking out money would be would, would <laughs> that's be walido's yeah that's <laughs> that, that is walido in a nutshell uh walido you're the man we appreciate you but let's uh let's just dive right into this uh do you guys want to start with undervalued or overvalued how do you want to roll on this one let's start with overvalued all right maddie you're up who uh who, who you got first for overvalued i think that's the the less fun one to talk about because i mean Obviously, there's going to be, you know, a lot of reasons that people want to draft the guys that they're drafting up top. Um, but I mean, for me, the the overvalued starts at the running back position, and it's pretty much the entire running back scenario, like landscape that we have. Like, why are the first like 30 picks off the board all running backs? It, it's just crazy to me that you can get like a Michael Thomas around ADP 30, who we will talk about on the undervalued as well. Um it just it completely shapes up if you're if you're just taking running backs for the sake of taking running backs because they're flying off the board so fast. Um, it just completely changes the outlook of, of your roster construction uh, as opposed to, you know, if you're not just going to eat eat those RB 15 to RB 20 guys in that second round. Um, you know, you can load up on top tier wide receivers and, and I think you're going to have a different ro- roster construction and one that has a lot of upside. Um, because I mean, really, what's the what's the gap between RB twenty and RB forty, right? Like, is is it that significant to where you need to spend a second round, uh, second third round draft capital on those guys, or you know, is it closer of a gap to where you know maybe you can take a, a like a Michael Thomas up top and then draft like a Mike Davis or somebody like that in in like later rounds? Um, and so that's where I like that's where you know looking at the ADPs, I was like. Okay, running back, 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 running back. It's like a bobblehead going down the down the thing. It's like all running backs. Um, and I mean, there are certain running backs too that you can make a case for that are being overdrafted. Um, and I may may catch some flack for this one, but I mean, uh, at what point is Derrick Henry going to start slowing down? Um, I mean, we t- I talked about this on our last show. The Tennessee Titans offense is one that I'm concerned about with you know some certain pieces. Uh, parting ways and going different directions in the off season. I just don't think that that offense is going to be as efficient as it has been. And teams are just going to load up. I, I mean, and yes, I know teams have loaded up and tried to stop Derrick Henry in the past and it hasn't really worked because he's a beast, but I mean, he's 27 years old. He's going on a six year in the league. Um, he's got over a thousand carries in the league. And I mean, I mean, he just smashed last year, but I mean, at some point we've seen this with every running back, right? Unless his name's Frank Gore at some point, he's going to start falling off a cliff just due to the sheer volume and pounding that he takes on a weekly basis. So um, 
I do have concerns, especially for a guy who doesn't, you know, catch passes. So going at the fourth overall pick, I, I'd rather just take a guy like Kamara. Um, Camaro, Camara, however, however you, I think I think it's like Camaro, Camara. So uh, yeah, uh, give me somebody like that instead, who's uh, you know going to be more involved in the pass game and still has that high touchdown equity. But yeah, I there's there's concerns for me at the running back position as a whole. I mean, you are uh, you are speaking our language whenever you're talking about wanting to fade Derrick Henry. Kevin, I have gotten some a little bit of slack. For that in the uh, in the YouTube comments, whenever we do our uh, rankings videos, but that he was the first name I put down. He's the first one that jumps off the page to me. I, I don't want to dive too far into it since you just kind of laid it out pretty well. But basically, w- with him is you have to assume that some amount of rushing regression is coming. Like he literally had a historic season last year, and I know Kev has touched on this a little bit. But even with him having that 2,000-yard season, he wasn't even RB1 in standard leagues. He was RB3 in both standard and PPR leagues uh, from weeks 1 to 16. And let's say that he even regresses back to, let's say, 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns, which, by the way, is what he had in 2019, and he was RB7 then. Like, that's still a bonkers season. And he's, you know, he didn't pay off that top five, uh, that top five draft price. So Derrick Henry was one for me as well. Kev, what say you? Well, I mean, in the same vein, like I feel like that the first couple, like so, back a few years ago, well, probably seventeen, eighteen, right around there, um, zero RB was kind of the craze, right? And it was like the really hot draft strategy. And now it's been shit on so much that like. I feel like this is actually a really, really sharp year to use the example of zero RB because there is, like, if you, once you look at the running backs, like that, and where they're coming off the board, I feel like there's probably, I don't know, four or five guys that you feel really strong about. You feel strong about their, their, their rushing upside, the other total touches. Um, Ryan, the, the trader, uh, the, the, that's, you know, <laughs> uh, love you, Ryan. Um, but once you get past those guys, like like Cam Akers going the tenth round, eighth running back off the board. Like I love Cam Akers, but he damn sure has some red flags. And like I don't think his ADP slowing down. I think he's going to continue to rise up. And I think that's just going to get dangerous uh, for for where you're kind of taking these guys. Like there is a lot of risk with taking these running backs early. I don't think it's actually a crazy year to implement zero RB, especially in best ball, because that's what it was—that's what it was made for. Like that was really where it originated from. Was in, was was in high stakes fantasy leagues, right? So I, I don't mind going a zero RB approach um, in 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 best ball tournaments. Yeah, I'm with you. And like in years past, too, the the running backs have not been this concentrated up at the top. Like they've been like last year was it was starting to get a little egregious, but it wasn't at the point it's at right now. Um, like a, a lot of the rookies where you were able to get them in like the the fourth or fifth round. Like I remember Jonathan Taylor was probably the highest rookie you could grab, and he was started to go in like the the third round by when it was all said and done. And Cam Akers was a, a steady fifth round draft pick, but I mean now you're looking at all these running backs, and you've got to pick higher than that for a lot of these guys, and and it's. Um, I don't know. It's just a different landscape. And, and 
I don't I don't think ADP is necessarily a rankings tool to use. It's more of a roadmap for how you should approach your drafts. Um, you know, when guys are being picked and you're okay, if I really like this guy, you know, maybe I want to reach around on him to make sure that I that I get him. That's that's really what I use ADP for and not really like a, a, a rankings. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, if if you think these running backs are not really going to pay off that second, third, fourth round draft capital, I mean, just pick a different position. Like you can get George Kittle in the, you know, the back, the second round instead of taking one of these RB, like RB14. Um, give me give me that instead. Or maybe you take Pat Mahomes, even like maybe it's, you know, not your style to draft quarterback early, but. You know, maybe you've got a decision between a, a elite wide receiver or Mahomes or like RB22 and you, you know, maybe you want to go Mahomes this year. So there's definitely different routes you can go to be different um, this year as opposed to, you know, maybe you get outside your comfort zone from a, a draft standpoint in terms of roster construction that that you have in the past. But, yeah, I, the way I see my drafts going to going to be shaking out is going to be I'm going to have a lot of elite wide receivers on my teams. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, uh, how about uh, Kyle Pitts? Can we talk about that as being overvalued? Um, I mean, 58 overall is, is is high. And as soon as Julio, as soon as we get the, the news drop from Adam Schefter that Julio Jones has been officially traded, it's only going to go higher. And I, I just can't. Like, I think I don't think it's crazy to think that he ends up going probably in the third round. Do I think he can pay off third-round value? Yes, there is a chance that he could. But when you draft him at third-round value, you have no margin for error. He, all of that risk that he comes with, the complete unknown of what you know what he's going to do in that offense, um, being a rookie and you know working with with Matt Ryan, who you know he hasn't really shown the tendency to just target tight ends over and over and over again. Um, I mean. And, and I know this is Kyle Pitts we're talking about, who really is a kind of a wide receiver playing tight end position. But um, I mean, it, it goes back to risk tolerance, right? Like all of all of the unknown and the risk that you're taking at the third pick, you know, there is no margin for error with that. If he was being drafted in like the seventh round, you know, eighth round, I'd say go for it. Um, he does, you know, he does have like third round upside. But I mean, when he's being drafted at his upside, it's just it's just an easy fade for me. I totally agree, and that's the problem. Like, I love Kyle Pitts. Like, it sounds like I don't like Kyle Pitts when I say it because I absolutely love Kyle Pitts. I would love to get hands up, but I know there's no way I'm going to get any shot at him this year because he's just going ridiculously high across all formats. I mean, Dynasty, you look at Dynasty, he's going high. You look at Redraft, he's going high. Best ball, he's going high. Like, he's the, the train's not slowing down on Kyle Pitts. And let's say he has a great year, and let's say he gets you 800 receiving yards, 50 receptions, 800 yards, and six touchdowns. Great year for a rookie tight end, right? Terrible at where you're going to be taking them, you know, and all yep. the players that you're foregoing to do that, you know. And so I think he can have a really, really strong year. But taking him in the third round, he's got to give you a 1,000 yards minimum, right? That's exactly what you'd be expecting to get out of Darren Waller or George Kittle, right? That's what you're drafting those guys there for. The chances of him hitting that, I feel like is slim. Yeah, I agree. I won't. I won't have much Kyle Pitts, and especially in best ball. Um, and and I kind of have similar sen- sentiment with Jamar Chase too. Like I love Chase. Dude's a baller. Um, and and the Bengals are going to pass a ton. But just where he's going, I think he's the highest Bengal receiver being drafted right now. And 
if you're stacking him with Burrow, then that's a completely different story. But we're just talking about individual players as one-offs here. Um, you know, there's just a lot more wide receivers in that range that I feel way more comfortable taking. Um, like you've got Adam Thielen behind him, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, Deontay Johnson, uh, his teammate T. Higgins, Ayuk. Like all of those guys feel like more like safer bets with similar upside to chase and they're being drafted behind him. So that, that was another guy on my overvalue list. I'm curious what you guys think about, about chase. I, I, I kind of see it because like he, he's going like uh, what wide receiver 22 ish somewhere right around there. And At the end of the fourth. Yeah. That uh, that's also pretty fucking high for a rookie wide receiver. Right. Uh, a rookie wide receivers have a little bit better track history. Uh, you know, you know, can he have a Justin Jefferson type here? Um, that's kind of what you'd be hoping for there. But I feel like this is a little bit of a different situation because you have T. Higgins there. You have Tyler Boyd there. And while I do think the, the targets are going to be there, like I think you're also probably drafting him a little bit at his ceiling there as well. Um, so for me, like I, I probably couldn't miss that. Um, it, it would be harder for me to talk myself into that, especially when I feel like you can get Devontae Smith, who's going a little bit later than that, who I feel like has a more clear uh, – has a, has a clearer path to targets um, on an offense that – you know, it's probably still going to have to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, I had uh, Chase as wide receiver 22, I think, Kev, whenever we did our rank- ranking show, and you thought that was, you know, maybe maybe a little hot, a little high, and now he's already being drafted above that. I think he's going, like, wide receiver 20 area, and all it's going to take is a couple blurbs to come out, you know, with, you know, Burroughs locking on a Jamar, and he's gonna he's gonna go up even higher. I don't think he goes up that much higher. Maybe beginning of the fourth versus end of the fourth, but I could see him climbing. Uh, while we are on the topics of wide receiver, I have one that I'm not sure not sure how it's going to be received, but I think DK Metcalf is a little overvalued here. Uh, at the end of the second, at 24 and a half, I think his ADP is. I'm more or less just concerned of the volume that's going to end up going around for Seattle. So if you look last year, Metcalf was Metcalf was wide receiver three, just in overall points and in points per game during the first half of the year. I mean, we he was on fire. That entire offense was on fire. Russ was cooking. Seattle was actually eighth in passing rate during that time. Uh, Russ was, I think, sixth in passing yards. He was first in passing touchdowns. He was third in yards per attempt. Everything was beautiful. Everything was right in the world. We finally got Russ Cook, and DK Metcalf was going off. And then the second half of the year happened. So from weeks uh, 9 to 16, Metcalf was wide receiver 12 over that time period, but he was wide receiver 20 in points per game. Like I said, Seattle was eighth in passing rate during the first half of the year. They went down the 15th, the second half of the year. Uh, Russ's yards per attempt dropped all the way to 19th. Um, And then he was middle of the road in in passing yards and and touchdowns. But for for best ball, Metcalf is still going to have his bonkers weeks where he just absolutely goes off. But if you look at his stat line, his box scores, you know, the, the first half of the year versus second half of the year, they were just completely different, and now we're adding in. Kev, I know you're you're kind of fighting back against the Dwayne Eskridge hate a little bit. You think he's going to be more involved, even if he's 
even if he's not all that involved, it's still going to be targets going away from him. I think they get back to kind of running the ball and you know playing that kind of game. I think we see Seattle be middle of the road the way they were the second half of the season compared to where they were the first half of the season. Um, and then, you know, they brought in Gerald Everett. They brought in uh, Gabe Jackson. Is that the, the lineman they got? Or Hudson? Was it Hudson or Gabe Jackson? They got, they got one of those big uh big lineman from the from uh from las vegas either way i think it wasn't hudson Hudson went to the cardinals so then it was it had to be gabe jackson then uh so either either way i think all that and then you look at what they did defensively as well i think we get back to pete carroll kind of running the show there and i just think at you know 24 and a half i would not feel comfortable having Metcalf is my wide receiver one. I think he's just being a little overvalued based on what he did last year. Yeah, I, I will say I'm not going to draft DK Metcalf over Michael Thomas. Uh, I, I think Michael Thomas is going to light the world on fire this year. But I will also just play devil's advocate a little bit on DK um, just for the people to hear kind of maybe an argument on the other side. Um which Cody, you, I think you kind of alluded to it in your, you know, in your points that you made uh, when you mentioned Russell's yards per attempt went way down in the second half of the half of the year, and I think the reason for that um, has to do with the offensive line play, and they just could not protect him, so he had to start getting the ball out of his hands a lot quicker. Uh, because if you look at DK's total volume throughout the year like on a game by game basis, his targets, like in, in the first half of the year, his targets were like eight, six, eight, six, 11, five. And he had a 15 thrown in there. Um, but that's like the, the last five games to close it out were eight, eight, six, eight, nine. So the volume wasn't necessarily changing for DK. It was, I guess the way that they were using him because the yards per reception dropped off a cliff from the first half to the second half. First half, his yards per reception were like, 24, 23, 28, 27, 16. And then you look at the last five games, 16, 10, 8, 9, and 7 yards per catch. So it's almost like they were just using him in, in much shorter, um, you know, much shorter route combinations uh, and, you know, not necessarily taking in as, as many deep shots, which is, you know, what we have come to know DK to be really good at, at doing is, you know, hauling in those deep balls from Russell Wilson. Um, so, I mean – if they can consistently, you know, stretch the ball down the field all year, um, then I absolutely love DK. So maybe it's an approach where if DK becomes your, you know, if you end up taking DK Metcalf in the second round, you try to force in Russell Wilson because you think he's going to smash over the course of the whole season uh, to allow, allow him to pay off. But yeah, I, I agree. I definitely, we talked about Seattle on the last show too. Like there's definitely concerns for that offense. But do we think that that we're, we're like overthinking a little bit too much um, because of the way they finished last year? So we're kind of uh, stuck in recency bias with that because um, one, I mean, obviously they have a new office coordinator. Uh, Brian um, Schottenheimer is a terrible uh, office coordinator. And I don't know why he ever had a job in the first place. Um, but I, I think adding in the new office coordinator, you know, we'll have to see what you're know, coming from the Sean McVay uh, tree, but we'll have to see kind of uh, how, you know, how he is and, and, you know, kind of what he wants to do. But um, if, I mean, that defense was, listen, I know a lot of people in the second half were like, Oh my God, Seattle's defense was so good. Right. 
it wasn't like it like the teams they were playing dictated far more of, of who that, that that defense still was not very good they weren't able to really get much of a pass rush their secondary is very shaky outside of Jamal Adams who uh used more like a linebacker than anything but um so if that defense is bad uh and take and, and kind of shows its true color especially what it was in the first half of the season then they're gonna have to throw the ball regardless and I think that's why like I kind of hope that some of these guys fall down a little because I know Tyler Lockett's being undervalued a little bit too because he kind of had a couple really big weeks and then he, and he really suffered as well but like like kind of in the same thing I've talked about with this team is that you know that they talked about in the second half of the season that it's like teams and they like they would not get creative or adjust at all, and like teams just knew exactly what they were going to do, and defenses just start preparing for that and shut them down. So that's why you know the the receivers were saying that they felt like they couldn't do anything in the second half, but because they were so predictable. And so I, I do think they probably changed that some a new offensive coordinator and uh, hopefully a little bit more innovative uh, coming from Sean McVay and seeing some of that stuff. So. With that being said, like I actually think that this 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 team could be a, a nice little buy because even still, I mean DK Metcalf still only going at like wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight, and if Julio gets traded, I think Calvin uh, Calvin Ridley probably jumps up ahead of him. I can see Justin Jefferson hopping up ahead of him where he falls down a little bit further, and so I think DK Metcalf you could argue is a little bit of an undervalued um, uh, compared to where he should be going considering um, who he is and how, how damn good he is as a player. And so I do think an underneath threat can help them as well, kind of open up the entire, unlock that entire offense, because that's something they just didn't have last year. And that's kind of my point with Dwayne Eskridge, is, and that's what the, that's how they're viewing him, is the perfect complement to play in the slot, to be that, under, uh, to be that underneath target, uh, to really kind of unlock this entire offense, because um, I know they want to run the ball, and I know that's what, that's what uh, Pete Carroll likes to talk about, um, but I don't know if they're going to get the opportunity to because I don't know if this defense is going to be any good. Yeah, I don't. I don't think DK is egregiously overvalued. He's just someone at that you know that, that one two or that two three turn. I think he should just be slid back. And it, like if he does, if some of those guys do end up going above him, like you were just talking about, Kev, if he goes more toward like the the mid to end of the third, I'd be much more interested in, in that price there instead of you know kind of where he's going at that. At, like I said, I think his ADP right now is 24 and a half. So kind of right there at the end of the second, beginning of the third. Um, you but do you know, think uh, that's like, but do you think that is crazy though? Because like, I, like he has legitimate wide receiver one upside. Like he's that good with Russ. You know, he was on that trajectory last year, right? Uh, before, before it kind of derailed a little bit. And, you know, this offense stays on track. Like I think we're having a different conversation right now. Like I, I hundred percent think. I mean, he's in the position that he could end up having 140 targets this year. Um, and like I said, I think this is one of those. Uh, even Russ, like Russ, isn't being overvalued either. Like what he's like QB eight, QB right around there, QB seven, QB eight. Yeah, uh, you know, like that's not. I mean, for, for Russell Wilson, I mean that 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 seems a little bit low. And the rest of the offense that you can get outside of DK and DK's. I mean, second, third round pick. If I can get DK Metcalf in the third round, I'm happy. Yeah, and I mean he's he did see 129 targets last year, so he's I mean he saw you know a, a significant amount of targets. Yeah, um, Matty, like you were saying, like the the volume the volume wasn't the issue. I, mm-hmm. I don't see his targets going up from the efficiency they, just they dropped off a cliff. I just, I, I just think Pete is going. Pete's going to Pete is kind of what I, what I think is going to happen. It wasn't wasn't there a lot of the talk of why Schottenheimer got canned is because Shotty kept wanting to pass the ball a little bit, and you know Pete wanted to be more balanced. I think Pete is one of those coaches who 
even if like he doesn't have the defense to do it, even if he doesn't have the line to do it, he's going to be a stubborn ass old man in the in the 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 cloth of Mike Zimmer, and he's going to want to do that no matter what the the game script calls for, unless you know what I mean, unless they're down two plus scores. I, I just I just see Pete kind of being one of those guys who's going to want to get back to chewing the fucking gum on the sideline with you know bent over just staring at the offensive and defensive lines. And he like he's the reason that the fire extinguisher was brought out, and you know he put out the let Russ cook movement. And I think he's just going to be one of he's going to want to be a little bit more balanced. Like I said, Eskridge coming in, if he's going to be the complement, that means he's taking targets away. I just don't see DK getting more than the one third, one twenty nine, one thirty than he had last year. Well, two things. One, Pete Carroll and his fucking New Balances can get the fuck out of town because I, I'm so tired of yeah. Pete Carroll. I do not. Me have, too, that, that but man, he's that, still there. That that man is living off of the Super Bowl that Russell Wilson carried that, that, that provided for him because um, he's he's a terrible coach. Like he he's not good. But uh, and two, um, I will say this: not that uh, you know uh, Waldron, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, who who they, they added this year, is Sean McVay, but uh, you know, if he runs somewhat sort of a similar system and can have a similar success, I mean, if you look at the, the Rams, uh, I mean, they've been middle of the road pretty much the entire uh, time. Sean McVay's there in terms of uh, balance, pass to run ratio. They're right around the right about the middle, but they've had three top ten passing seasons and three top ten rushing seasons in terms of yardage. So, you know, if we can get some of that creativity that hopefully that rubbed off on them from Sean McVay, and you know, maybe. Uh, not be like the Matt Nagy of the of of this uh, of this tree, kind of like with Andy Reid, but uh, we'll see. So uh, I hope because uh, I am sick and tired of seeing Russell Wilson not um, be Rus- allowed to be Russell Wilson. Yeah, I I agree. Like I said, I just like I don't think he's egregiously overvalued, but I, I would want him to slide back in the in the third a little bit instead of instead of going at the top of that that two three turn. Like I said. Uh, do you guys have any other overvalued guys you wanted to touch on before we move to undervalued? No, we touched on my big three. That was the running back, running backs, Pitts and and Chase. Those were main, the main three. They that you know really stood out to me. Kev, while you're looking, I, I do have one more. I'll just touch on real quickly, uh, going along with the running back theme that you were laying out, Maddie. And that's J.K. Dobbins. At RB17, that's fine. Like RB17, I think, Kev, that's kind of where the, the range that we have him ranked, give or, give or take a, a couple of spots. But the the ADP of 28.5 is just a little bit rich for me. Uh, you know, Matt, you were talking about taking, you know, wanting to take Michael Thomas over somebody like DK Metcalf. There are five or six wide receivers I'd rather take over J.K. Dobbins the guys going after him that I like, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper. Um, I just think that, you know, Kev, you were just talking about the recency bias that we had, you know, negatively painting the picture for, for Seattle. I think that is po- too positively painting the picture for J.K. Dobbins. He was RB31 on the season. Even if you look at the second half, he was RB21. He was RB26 in fantasy points per game. And then if you take that and even bring it down a little bit further to the point where he was, you know, kind of starting to pick up a lot of steam and burst onto the scene at the end of the season from weeks 13 to 16, I'm not going to count 17 because one outside of DFS, you know, we're, we're not playing week 17, but that's whenever he went off against that woeful, dreadful Bengals team for 160 yards and two touchdowns. 
But if you look at thir- weeks 13 to 16, when he, like I said, when he was doing well, I think he had a, a touchdown in every single game. I think he had three games over 70 yards rushing, something like that. He was only RB 16. So like he wasn't even necessarily killing it. And then in the, the playoffs, we saw how that went for that entire offense. He didn't have a good showing in the playoffs either. So I think, you know, between Gus Edwards still being there, Lamar Jackson's going to take away carries from him. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson just does not target the running back position. This isn't an indictment on Dobbins' uh, talent level. I think if he were in another system where he could see targets, you know, he would he would be going probably higher than where he is right now. To be honest, I just don't see him, like like I said, there's just those other wide receivers I'd rather take in that range. So J.K. Dobbins just a little overvalued for my taste. Kevin, yeah. undervalued. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the first guy that, that really stood out to me when I was kind of, uh, you know, taking a look at this, digging into this, was Deontay Johnson. Um, I was surprised that he's going at wide receiver 25, uh, 57th overall, late fifth round, almost a six-round pick. And for a player who had 144 targets last year, uh, that seems kind of ridiculous to me. Only 14 games, um, 14.8 fantasy points per game. He had he was 15th in yards after the catch. He ended up with 88 receptions for 924 and seven touchdowns. I get that he's tied to Ben Roethlisberger, and not a lot of people are excited about Big Ben this year and and this offense. But um, I still think he is going to be the target leader in this offense, even if they, that does come down. Um, I, I think you can still probably reasonably expect 120 to 130 targets for him this year. And I just think that he's being undervalued. I think he's a better player than um, – I think he's the best wide receiver on that team. I think he's better than Chase Claypool. He's better than Juju Smith-Schuster. And, I mean, there, there was just some missed opportunities. Well, last year he went to that little funk where he was dropping um, passes. But even if you take out the – you know, he had a couple of games as well where he he barely played because he got hurt in the beginning. I mean, he was on pace for a hundred, probably 170 targets last year. And – I, I think he's far more explosive. I think he can be used, utilized a little bit more as a downfield uh, threat as well. Um, I think if this offense can become a little bit more creative, uh, maybe use you know if, if the running game can get going, and you know if you know now having Najee having a, some semblance of a running game, allowing to use the, the play action and stuff like that to really kind of uh, put teams on you know. Uh, um, I, I think can really open up this offense a little bit more because if you really remember the first half of the year, like we weren't down on the Steelers offense. The Steelers offense was, was, was playing very well and it, it was an offense target. Now in the second half of the season, whenever they started to fall apart is, is again, it's another one of these situations where I feel like recency bias coming into play, but Deontay, I, I will take him all day at wide receiver 25, you know, almost a six round pick. I will take that. All day for a player who I think has 130 to 140, if not even more, because I do I do think that they're going to not going to throw the ball as much. They're not going to be number two in past attempts this year unless things really go awry. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I still think that he's going to be the leader in targets on this team. Yeah, I like that. I like that price for uh, for him. the 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 volume definitely is going to be there. I, I don't think we we see that like kev like you were just mentioning they're, they're not going to be second and in, in pass attempts that they're like that that's why they went out and got Najee. There, there's no way that they that they do that again unless the, the defense just completely falls apart and they don't have any any other choice but i think we see a a heavy dose of Najee early and often uh maddie who do you have for your first undervalued uh i mentioned him uh so we'll start with him michael thomas uh I think he's going to compete for overall wide receiver one this year, and he's not being drafted as such. 
Uh, he's currently three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's currently wide receiver nine in ADP, which is seems kind of egregious to me. But uh, he was second in the NFL in uh, target share last year, behind only Devontae Adams. And we, you know, know the Aaron Rodgers concerns with Adams right now. So, uh, you know, that Thomas could very easily take over that number one spot this year. Um, and I feel like, you know, even without Drew Brees there. I feel like when you get these lesser skilled quarterbacks, they more so pepper the better wide receivers because that's what they're comfortable doing. Like when you have a guy like Drew Brees, you know, he's okay with just taking what the defense gives him because he he knows he can make any throw on the field uh, and he's just going to hit whoever's open. Whereas, you know, maybe, you know, Taysom Hill, we saw Taysom Hill just pepper Michael Thomas with targets when, when he was in last year. And we know Jameis Winston would do the exact same. Uh, we saw him force numerous balls to Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, I, I have zero concerns with the quarterback play there in New Orleans. Uh, Michael Thomas played on a high ankle sprain the entire season. And I know, you know, he can say that he wasn't hurt, but um, you, that's not something you recover from in only a couple of weeks and and just shake it off for the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, a full, full offseason to get healthy. Um, I think he contends for the number one spot, and he is not being drafted as such. So he is my uh, first undervalued target. How the mighty have fallen with uh, with Michael Thomas. I, I think yeah. there's just concerns with the the quarterback play, and then also just the the absurd absurd catch rate that Michael Thomas had with with Drew Brees. That that's kind of because I know Kevin and I kind of have Michael Thomas a little lower in our overall uh, wide receiver rankings as well. But at the the price you're getting him, I'm I'm more than willing to take him at you know that wide receiver nine third round ADP that he has. Do you think uh, just, this offense though as a whole is undervalued? Yeah, I mean outside of Kamara, who's really there's yeah. no one else that's that's going that's going highly. I mean, because like I mean, Jameis is going like what wide receiver 25, 26. and I think some of that's because of the uncertainty of not knowing uh, who's going to be the starter. Obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I feel pretty I, I feel pretty good that it's going to be it's going to be Jameis. But like if you, like I think there's going to be a there's going to be another guy who emerges that is is nobody's taking right now. It could be Traquan Smith, um, but I also think it could be somebody like a Marquez Callaway. Who uh, you know flashed a little bit last year, undrafted guy, uh, but like I feel like there's the like taking shots at this New Orleans offense. I think is the way to go. I just feel like this entire offense in general, outside of Kamara, is just being undervalued right now. And I think it's because of the uncertainty at quarterback. But if you can hit it right, like I think this could be end up being. I know we're not talking about stacks, but like in terms of just being undervalued, like I feel like this entire offense is being undervalued, and there could be a lot of fantasy goodness coming from this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they lost Jared Cook, too, at tight end. So you got Troutman there, um, who's a a value tight end. Um, And I mean, you know, I've seen people who are smarter than me talk about this all the time. Like, you still, even when offenses are bad, there still are fantasy relevant players on, you know, bad offenses just because they have to score points, right? Like, even if they're going to be, you know, one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. I mean, look at James Robinson last year on the Jaguars, who were a god awful you know, team all the way around. But I mean, he was in the, you know, top 10 running backs uh, throughout the entire year out of nowhere. So it, I mean, there still are fantasy relevant players on these bad offenses. So, um, and that's not even saying the saints are going to be bad either. Uh, I think it's like you said, Kev, it's just, 
I think the big issue right now is with the with the market value of these guys is all the uncertainty. We don't we don't know how to project um, because we don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. Because I mean, it's definitely a different you know set of projections for Jameis Winston than it is Taysom Hill. Um, you know, the volume gets a, a pretty significant uptick in, in pass game if it's Winston. But um, I mean, I still think Hill is going to throw the ball a good amount. He's not just going to be out there just to run. So, and it could be some combination of both of them. I uh, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see Winston run like a Drew Brees light, like see, you know, throw much fewer pass attempts than Drew Brees and then have a lot more packages for Taysom Hill and they're both on the field and defenses don't really know how to game plan for that. So that's something you could see as well, but that doesn't really take a hit to any of the positional values. That would just be the quarterback. I don't think they, but I also don't think they, I don't think that, um, I, I 100% believe with Jameis was it that Taysom Hill is still going to play that same role he kind of did with, with Drew Brees. He's going to get opportunities on the goal line. They're going to do some trick play kind of stuff with him, um, do some different things. I don't think that's going to change. I just can't imagine if they're going to commit for a full 16 game or uh, 17 game season to Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And like I've said, like I have, I would, I would, I would have no idea why Jameis Winston went back to the. I was same. just about to say that. If you have the opportunity where you could have went to Chicago yeah. and some of these other teams that were desperately needing a quarterback, why the hell would you go back to the Saints if you're just going to play or you know ride the bench? They had to have given him some sort of guarantee that at the at the very least at the very at the start of the year he is going to be the starting quarterback. And I mean, people people can counter argue that too, where they say you know you know there just isn't much of a market for Jameis Winston. And I'm going to sit there and respond with, yeah, well, teams are signing Andy Dalton and um, all these no-name shithead QBs that, that they're pulling off the streets. So, yes, there is a market for Jameis Winston. Like, of course, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions, but, I mean, he's going to be close to leading the league in touchdowns as well. I mean, that's just who he is. He's just he's just going to chuck it. Um, well, and, and we still haven't seen him post-eye post surgery either. Maybe he can like, read defenses now. Yeah, and like I, I don't know how much of a factor that had had to do with it, right? Like, who knows if his if his if his vision was fucking terrible, and you know, like like it was reported, who knows? I mean, maybe it does make a difference. It's been a while since we've seen him for a full season. You know, learning under Drew Brees and Sean Payton in this offense. You know, getting a little bit of humble. Uh, I, I think it really pay off. So, I, I think I mean, James Winston. We know his ceiling. I mean, he could be a top five quarterback this year, which we've already seen it when he did it. I mean, he, he did it when he threw thirty interceptions in a season. You know, uh, so the only thing I can think of when we're talking about players fixing their eyes and having hopes that it's going to lead to better production is a uh, shout out to Steelers, Lima Swede, second round pick who uh, he, he was dealing with some some drop issues. And I guess he found out he had like astigmatism in both eyes and everyone's like, oh, man, no wonder why he wasn't catching. He's going to be awesome. Dude, just fucking busted out of the league. So that, that's immediately <laughs> what I think of when people start talking about like, oh, man, play, he, he's fixing his eyes, man. It's going to be so much better. Uh, but just to quickly break up the the wide receiver talk, and you know, I know we spent a lot of time talking about running backs being overvalued. I still have one I'm going to pound the table for that is undervalued, even though his ADP is starting to starting to creep up. It wasn't the beginning of the third, not too long ago. Now over on um, underdog, I think it's sitting at 21.7. And that is Clyde Edwards Elaire, uh, RB15. I, I just, I, I, I'm going to pound the table for him. And it, like, it feels like it's cheating. Like, it doesn't seem like this can be someone who I'm like planning my flag on or a hashtag nuts on the table take. Like, it doesn't seem like I, I should be able to use this one, but he's just continually. 
being undervalued. We, we've talked about this guy a bunch, but I think my first nuts on the table take is that he finishes in the top five of running backs. And you look at the the offensive line just being completely rebuilt, going from a, a middle to, you know, back half of, a, of an offensive line than it was last year, especially when you add in all the injuries, the uh, the good doctor out there fighting the coronavirus for, for us Americans, and then just, you know, not being a great line to begin with, completely revamped, still in the best or at least one of the top two, three offenses in the league. And then on top of that, they brought in no uh, significant additions in terms of their wide receiver core. They brought in no. They brought they brought in uh, Cornell Powell, who n- we would not be excited about if he didn't land with the Chiefs. Let, let, let's just be honest. And with with Clyde, one of his biggest strengths coming into the league as a prospect was his pass catching. So I think you know last year Kevin and I were you know screaming and yelling at everybody who would listen to us that that was not the year to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as, 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 high, as high as he was going. But I think this is the year to take him where he was going last year. And I'd be completely fine with taking him like the, the one-two turn, to be completely honest. I think he's being undervalued as far as running backs go. Like I said, RB15, there's no way that he doesn't pay that off. You, you know, I know they brought in Jarek McKinnon. I know Daryl's still there, but – they might take some touches away. They're not going to take his pass catching away. Maybe some goal line opportunities. We saw that, uh, you know, he was not the greatest when they were trying to slam him in to that Texans defensive line at the, you know, the, I think the first game of the season last year. So maybe he doesn't get all of the touches from, you know, the five yard line and in, but he's going to have plenty of opportunity. And I think he's going to be the guy that we want. Like I said, top five uh, running back for, for me this year. Well, I mean, you know, I don't have I to like say too call. much. Uh, I like, but I, like I, I, I will say that obviously that uh, some of the goal line issues likely had more to do with the fact that their offensive line couldn't create a fucking hole to save their lives. Um, because they were, right. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, they didn't have their, their right their, their right guard, um, LDT. He was out fighting the coronavirus as a doctor. Um then, you know, they, uh, Mitchell Schwartz only played the first five weeks of the season, went down with the backers. He didn't play the rest of the year. It was uh, Kaleche Osimile was the guy who they brought in last year. But he was playing yeah. left guard. He got hurt uh, like the third or fourth game of the season. So he was gone. And so it, it was a terrible offensive line. Um, and, and so, like, now the Chiefs arguably have a top five offensive line now in the league. And that's scary considering how good sure. this offense is. And now you have one of the best – you know, one of the better offensive lines in all in all the league with this offense. So yes, and they they didn't. They, and you're right, they didn't add anybody. Now, could the Chiefs do something stupid again and add like a Todd Gurley off the street? Yeah, it's possible. But um, don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know, he was just visiting the Lions because you know the Lions just need a thousand running backs like the Texans. They're just <laughs> you know bringing in all the all the washed up talent. But. No, I, I like Clyde Edwards-Elair uh, a ton, and I do think that like this is now the time to buy uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair, where last year he was going as a top-five running back, which is ridiculous. Speaking of buying top-end running backs, though, I, I will say the one guy that I think is slightly undervalued up there as well is Aaron Jones. Um, he finished top-five in both formats, PPR and non-PPR, last year, um, and they only have A.J. Dillon behind him. Uh, so I, I would honestly, you know, be like if you wanted to take uh, Aaron Jones as as a top five running back, I would not fault you for that. Um, I mean, his 
his role is is as safe as it gets. Um, and sure, Dylan could could steal some goal line carries from him, but um, I mean, he still has that. You know, he can score from anywhere on the field. Uh, kind of kind of upside and has the pass game usage and hasn't really seen you know a ton of volume to where you know the point where like Derek Derek Henry you know he gets thir- Derek Henry gets thirty five carries a game whereas Jones you know he touches the ball you know twenty to twenty two times a game but um, he's not you know getting tackled every single time like Henry is so um, I, I Aaron Jones would be my pick uh, up there in that range as well. Matty, what if? Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback, whether via trade or he sits out this year. Or are you are you still going to be top five on Aaron Jones in, in that situation? So I I am on the team that uh, running back targets are a quarterback stat, a quarterback stat that more so than you know a scheme a scheme thing. So I haven't looked really into Jordan Love's college production and you know how far down the field or how many running backs uh, running back targets or you know target share went to that position, but that is definitely something I would look at because, you know, a lot of Aaron Jones value does come from catching passes. Um, but Jamal Williams isn't there anymore. So the, you know, he really is the only guy there to do that. Um, I mean, the only, they, they drafted Kylan Hill in the seventh round and, and we know seventh round running backs don't really, uh, don't really get too much love uh, despite, despite how much uh, love the the dynasty industry wants him to be loved. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, what's on that roster. I mean, it's, it's similar to James Robinson, right? Like a Jaguars offense was awful, but he was the guy. And so he just kept churning out fantasy production. So, um, yeah, I, I think I would still be on Aaron Jones. I may not take him, you know, top five. You know, I would probably still have Henry and, and Jonathan Taylor and Zeke and Cam Akers over him in that if that was the situation. But, I mean – I right now I would consider Aaron Jones as the fifth running back off the board behind uh, Kamara, Barkley, Dalvin, and, and McCaffrey. One hundred percent agree. That's why I have him ranked. I have him as a top five running back in seasonal formats. Kev, who you got next? Well, how about I'm going back to this well this year. I'm going. I'm sorry. I was on it last year, and I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Marquise Brown. Nope. Oh. Going with a little bit of DJ Chark, do 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 DJ Chark, do 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 do. I hope Derek's watching right now because he just loves Listen. that song. You should send him that video of that song being played. What about the trap? The trap? The trap version slaps. Okay, have you heard the trap version of that song? It, it, no. it really it, it 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 gets after it. But listen. DJ Chark last year did not have the year that we thought he was going to have. Okay, and but now with Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback god, the best quarterback we've ever seen, the best quarterback prospect ever. Um, you know, in Jacksonville, this is a completely different team right now, or this completely different quarterback. If you look at him last year, only had 94 targets, played in 13 games, but he was still fifth among all quarter or among all wide receivers and deep targets, uh, 19th in air yards. There's a lot to like here with DJ Chark, and you can get him as wide receiver 31 off the board. And I think he has top 15 to 20 upside. Um, in this offense, Jacksonville's offense, our defense is still going to be absolutely terrible. and. So um, I, I just think DJ Chark is in a ter- terrific spot to really bounce back big time this year, and people are uh, a little bit too low on him. So I, I love me some DJ Chark. I think that's the, uh, the definition of a post-hype sleeper because there was a lot of love for him uh, going into drafts last year. I like that call. Uh, I have a wide receiver who is going in that same range, Kev, and that is Brandon Ayuk, 
who's going uh, wide receiver 27 currently. Uh, finished the second half of the season as wide receiver 10 and uh, PPR fantasy points per game. And if you look at his game log, it was just absolutely ridiculous what he was doing. It was basically like 80-plus yards in a score for like five, six, seven weeks in a row. He was just He was just absolutely crushing. And I don't believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the quarterback for the entire year. I think there's even a, a, a chance that he's not the quarterback week one. But even if for, for whatever reason, let's say Jimmy G is just going out there and, and if he is the quarterback, it's probably because he is they're, they're winning and he's lighting it up. I don't think that Shanahan is going to give up what he gave up to go and get Trey Lance and then just deal with like mediocre – quarterback play even if garoppolo is you know is still winning games so even if it worst case scenario it is jimmy g that's still going to be better than what he was dealing with whenever he was playing with nick mullins and cj bethard so i i think you know with his upside with the upside of somebody like trey lance who's also going really late in uh in best ball drafts i think like 14th round i think is where he's going which makes sense because they're you know i mean it, it's still up in the air of how soon he starts but I think he's someone who's being undervalued, especially if you take a, uh, a quarterback early, like we talked about last week. You know, somebody like a, a, a Dak or a Kyler, and then you follow that up with uh, with Trey Lance later. But I think this offense as a whole is going to get a tick up uh, once Trey Lance takes over. And Ayuk going at wide receiver 27, I think he plays the the downfield threat, and Debo is going to kind of be that that short to intermediate yak kind of guy and we like I said we saw what Ayuk was able to do in a uh in a situation that was subpar to say the least yeah I love that offense yeah and Brandon Ayuk last year was uh like printing money in DFS yeah. uh he was cheap he was a monster and just every week just crushed so mm-hmm. yeah I'm surprised he's not going higher than what he is everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, it's because the running backs make all the wide receivers slide down the board. This, yeah, that is true. So real, it was uh, six for one fifteen week seven, eight for ninety one in a score, seven seven for seventy five in a score, five for ninety five in a score, ten for one nineteen, and then uh, week fifteen against Dallas, nine for seventy three in a score, and then his uh, his last game of the year only had two targets and went one for fifteen. But that was the just the absolute tear that he was on from week seven on. Well, I remember. He yeah, was, he's uh, a beast. Made people money. I like I like the 49ers all around. I mean, they're all just yards after catch monsters, that entire offense. Kittle, Debo, you can yeah. do it. Their running backs can do it. So w- here's a, a quarterback that I think is being a little bit undervalued, and I think it's Daniel Jones, especially in best ball formats. Like – if you, if you look at this offense, you know, adding Kenny Galladay into this offense, getting Saquon back, um, you know, whatever you think of Kadarius Tony, but I mean, th- there's a lot of weapons here now in this offense, right? I know Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. I get that. 
and there, there's not a lot of excitement to having Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator. I understand. But he's he's being drafted right now, like QB 23, something like that, um, right now. And he he is one of the guys that actually has that that a little bit of that Konami code upside. Listen, Ryan, you know, I should I should drop the Ryan, can, can I drop the link into the it, you know, in, in one of our chats and you can jump in here and we can have a little chat about this. I can't help myself. I'm I am about Daniel Jones' life. Okay. Give me Daniel Jones and where he's being drafted. I mean, he had no upside last year, first year under Jason Garrett. And I know he flashed some upside in 2019, but that was under that was like a completely different offense. I mean, and yes, he does have playmakers around him now with Kenny Galladay being added and they drafted a guy, but uh I mean he had 423 rushing yards, which was sixth among all quarterbacks. Seventh and seventh and carries. I mean, so he, he does offer that. He had only two in half PPR. Well, it doesn't matter for a quarterback, but same scoring. Um, in formats where they don't have bonuses for like passing and rushing, uh, he only had two games over 20 fantasy points last year, and he had four games under 10. It's rough. And I, I again, I know, like I, I know that he flashed some upside in 2019. Uh, he had a, a 34, a 28, a 30, a 35. So he had four games over 28 points in 2019. So, I mean, I, I guess the ceiling's there, but uh, Jason Garrett is just the worst. Don't hate. I don't know what we're hating on Daniel Jones for. Okay, this is Daniel Jones breakout season, boys. Because he's, he's a turd. Uh, that's 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 why we're hating. Listen, there's a lot of quarterbacks that aren't good that that, that still have good fantasy seasons. Okay, I don't care about how what you think of them in, in, in real life. Okay, I'm talking about what fantasy points are they going to provide me? Why not and just draft really Sam Darnold to struggle instead. with Kenny Gott with, with with the amount of targets and amount of weapons that? Why not just draft Ryan Ryan Tannehill 2.0 after Adam Gase and and take Sam Darnold in that Carolina offense? I don't mind that either. But Sam Darnold doesn't offer me the the the, the rushing upside that that Daniel Jones does. True, unrelated. But what is, has there been any any updates on Deshaun Watson? Because he's below the. Oh, he is. He is absolutely everything. free right now. Yeah, I know. That's. I just saw that. Like what? It it sounds like I mean because it doesn't sound like that this is going to get solved anytime soon. I think they said they they may not even go to court until twenty twenty two, and like and so if it does it, like I think they have to put him on the exempt list. Can you really let him play? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I wish I, I did. I just don't see how you can, you know. Um, Deshaun Watson playing zero games has more upside than Daniel Jones playing the full <laughs> 18. I, I, I will fucking donkey punch your ass. Sounds hot. I'm into it. I don't know where Ryan is. I dropped I dropped the link into the chat, all right, and he said, let's do it. So I'm waiting I, for him. I, I said it as well. While, while we're waiting and before this gets uh, too off the rails, I will mention one more. Fulfilling my commitment, my promise to uh, Walido. I, I know this doesn't fit, uh, Maddie. I know it doesn't fit your mold of going after the guys who you, you would rather have the 30-point the guys and the zero-point guys for best ball purposes. But Amonra St. Brown, completely undervalued where he's going. His ADP is 169.9 at and yes, I counted all these guys because I couldn't figure out a way to find just the, the numbers on underdog. Wide receiver 72 for uh, for Amonra St. Brown. 
he is going into an offense as far as the wide receivers go that features Brashad fucking Perriman and Tyrell goddamn Williams. He walks in, he is day one, the best complete wide receiver that they have there. I, as, as much as, you know, Dan Campbell and his WWF kneecap biting fucking uh, plan for this team, as much as he's going to want to do that, they're not going to be able to do that year one. Their uh, win total right now on DraftKings Sportsbook is sitting at five. They're going to be playing from behind. He's going to end up being top two, top three in terms of target volume on the on this offense. He's going to be right there with Hawkinson and uh, DeAndre Swift. So, I, like I said, I, I know he's not necessarily sexy because of you know the the way he plays and his athletic profile. Not not exactly sexy for best ball, but he's at least going to be able to fill in on those weeks where um, you know you're you're getting some zeros or, or some lower scores from some of those more boom bust guys. And especially now with not knowing how this is going to pan out with the the extra week in terms of how teams are going to be like resting guys or not resting guys or how that's going to be handled, I think having someone who's going to have a a high floor like Amonra St. Brown will be helpful, like I said, on, on those weeks where maybe you're just getting slammed with a bunch of bye weeks or injuries or people being held out toward uh, toward the end of the season. So, like I said, wide receiver 72, that's just uh, that's bonkers for a for a guy who's potentially not, – not even potentially, a guy who is the wide receiver one on an offense, albeit that offense might not be like super sexy, super intriguing, but he's still going to get the, the volume, and volume is always going to be king. For fantasy football i actually like that that range before we uh talk about deandre swift but i like that wide receiver range because it just a couple slots ahead of him at, at wide receiver 69 nice is uh john brown uh in in las vegas why can't john brown just step into the uh nelson aguilar role uh that that aguilar smashed with last year you know stretch the field be the deep ball threat that everybody thought henry ruggs would be um and then two slots above him is is Paris Campbell, uh, who I wish the Chiefs would have selected over McCall Hardman, uh, because Paris Campbell would be absolutely incredible on the Chiefs with all the the, the style of wide receiver, and and he's got the speed. He ran a four three forty yard dash. So um, I know he's coming off a big leg injury, uh, but I mean he went six for seventy one in Week One last year, and now he's got Carson Wentz, who I would expect the Colts to continue to run a good chunk of eleven personnel. Um, they ran almost seventy percent last year. So despite all the tight ends they have on their roster. Uh, they t- they tend to not run a ton of twelve personnel, so uh, I think Paris Campbell can can smash that that ADP as well. Um, <clears throat> as far as the rookie wide receivers go, that are because this is a lot of going to this range: Rodell Moore, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Which one do you think that that, that you like the most? Because I mean, they're all going really uh, really similar in ADP, pretty, uh, pretty close with each other, at least within a couple of rounds. Um, Who's, who's the one you like the most? I do like Rondell, uh, probably a little bit better um, over over Amonra. Look at this motherfucker! You know, try to call me out in the chat. Daniel Jones is is is, is, is the upside for Daniel Jones is legit. Okay, I don't want to hear it out of this. Kev, come on, man! You know you can't be bringing up Daniel Jones, bro. Hey. It's the summer, and you got all these people to talk about, and you're going to sit here and talk about Daniel Jones. Hey, 400 rushing yards last year, bro. Oh, Konami my God. Code. Oh, my was, God. Was that, I mean, was that more, so, more so, than the passing yards he had? 
<laughs> and, and to go to go along with those twenty fumbles too. You gonna be comfortable with that when he, he chirps up after now. a sixty-nine yard run? He's got a wide receiver one. He's got an alpha. Okay. Oh my God, Kev. And and so you got Kenny Galladay. You got the giant stack because I want to see it. I'll, I'll, you, hell yeah! I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> be that live. Lord have mercy. You had you had the opportunity to talk about Aaron Rodgers being undervalued. You got Maddie going there on soliloquies about Aaron Jones just do, playing the violin, tossing it up for you, and then you have to go and talk about. Daniel God Jones. Don't make sense. Listen. Listen, okay. <laughs> hey. Yeah, you got me. I was sitting up here just, you know, tuning in. I'm watching, you know, Luca do his thing against the Clippers, just a little basketball on a Wednesday night. And I'm like, did I hear this correctly? Is this <laughs> this dude talking about Danny Dimes in June? You kidding me? Let's go, Kev. Listen, listen, okay. Tell me, tell, tell me what other quarterback in that range, not named Carson Wentz, that you'd rather have. Uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, dude. Yeah. Look, I mean, have you these underdogs, dude? You can get Aaron Rodgers in double-digit rounds. I mean, I know that we're talking about Daniel Dimes being, you know, sixteen, seventeen, probably in that range, maybe of a last-round pick, depending on the league you're in, but like. If you're gonna wait on quarterback, then just take one of those guys. Take take Fitzpatrick, dude. This Washington offense is gonna be something explosive. I feel like with Turner bringing in Curtis Samuel back as a weapon and things like that, we know what Fitzpatrick does. And Daniel Dimes, dude. I mean, it's just gonna be so difficult to trust this Giants offense. I mean, forget about Jason Garrett, but like, what has he done to to show us anything? that he's going to, you know, finish with upside. If he if he had more rushing ability or if they let him run more, then I would be okay with that because we'll be talking about something completely different. But just on the passing capability, like Kenny, Kenny ain't going to do it all, man. Kenny ain't going to do it all. And I don't know about Kadarius at all. I'm, I'm curious to see what the kids got. But I can, come on, man. Daniel Dimes in June, we reaching. All the the fumbles and interceptions that Danny Dimes is going to have is going to outweigh any of the Konami code that that he has. True. True. I like Cody. We talked about it last week. I like Tua twenty spots ahead of that, ahead of Danny Jones. Oh yeah, the Dolphins' offense is going to be nice. So nice. Yeah. No, you got you guys have been hitting on them. I mean, that was. That was it's just Kev being Kev. I know he I know he gotta I know he gotta go contrarian to the core. Um, but no, I mean yeah, there's just there's just so many other offenses. I think Matty, you talked about it a little bit with the bad offenses. You know, you still find some fantasy goodness there. I mean, I'd be willing to take somebody on the Giants not named Dan, Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, you're gonna get Saquon early, but some of these other guys, I don't I don't even know like if we can trust Evan Ingram at this point, you know, talking about tight ends and who you could get late, like that, that just, it's just a recipe for disaster with all these mouths to feed for him and him not being able to get the ball to these guys. Makes if he was going to crush, it would have been last year. He should have crushed last year because he had all the opportunity in the world and there wasn't anybody on that team. Right. Well, and I know, but now they're without go Saquon being listen, there, right? Listen, it, so it like is, now that Saquon's yeah. back, you know, how many, what's his 
target share, so to speak, going to be like, how are, how are they going to utilize him in the backfield coming off of that injury? But I got to imagine that he's still going to be, you know, Christian McCaffrey-esque as far as involvement in that offense. That's why you just draft Daniel Jones and get all the points through him. You know, you just get all, all the Giants points <laughs> through, da- through Danny Dimes. Okay. Hey, so Kev, if you're, if you're drafting Danny, like, so when you, like, what is making you comfortable to get to a point to draft Danny? Like he's your third quarterback and you have two that you're unsure about, or he's, you're good he, with that. He is a target like, that I will go after if Carson Wentz, because I do think Carson Wentz is going to start moving up, right? He is okay. 100% going to start moving up draft guy or draft boards. As yep. we get more and more information and everything starts coming out that how, how well he's playing and how well he looks. Carson Wentz is going to move from this quarterback 22, probably get much more into the quarterback 15 type range, right? So he's right. going to be out of this conversation. And so I I, I don't mind like I not I don't hate Sam Donald either. And I can see, you know, the, the argument for Sam Donald as well. But with Dale, with with Dale Jones, I think having a full complement of weapons, an actual wide receiver one, getting Saquon yeah. back, they're gonna have all these they're gonna have all these weapons for him. If he can't do it this year, because if you're talking about Sam Darnold, like Sam Darnold's never done anything in his career either. Like I get it that what what that offense was able to do, what that system was able to do, and it provided Teddy Bridgewater his best his best year, um, not uh, last year with the Panthers, right? So we expect them to do the same thing with Sam Darnold. But Sam Darnold's never done anything in his career either, right? And so like it's kind of it's it's a similar situation um, in, in terms of, in terms of that. The Daniel Jones. <laughs> Has all his weapons, right? <laughs> I love it. Walido coming in hot. Get him, Walido. I'm just saying, right? Yeah. And, and the same thing's going to happen when, when once we find out that Jameis Winston is going to be the starter. He is going to fly, fly past him as well. Well, right. When so, the so if I was sure. going to do this, so if I was taking one of these guys, I'm taking Pat Mahomes. I'm taking Dak Prescott. I'm taking one of these quarterbacks super early. You know, and and now I don't have to wait. I don't have to take quarterback because I'm never going to take three quarterbacks. I think three, three quarterbacks is a mistake. You don't do that in, in best ball. Two quarterbacks. That's 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 it. I agree. And, and get out. And so if if I'm going to take one of these quarterbacks late, because I'm not going to take um, Pat Mahomes and then take Josh Allen a round or two later. Like that is ridiculous. You might you're just setting your teams on fire, right? Because it's just a waste of draft capital. It's a waste of pick. You know, I've seen some people on Twitter doing shit like that, and they're jerking off to their team and think their team is great. Team is trash. Okay. In best ball, you do not take two top five quarterbacks. It's it, it is ridiculous. It, there's no upside in doing it. You take Pat Mahomes and then you wait very late and you take one of these quarterbacks. And I think someone like Daniel Jones has has some opportunity. Obviously, you're taking Pat Mahomes to be the GOAT, right, and, 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 and to, to light the world on fire, and you're not expecting to have to use Daniel Jones a lot. But I do like that the rest of the pieces here in this offense aren't expensive. You can take Sterling Shepard late if you'd like mm-hmm. uh, as, as kind of a cheap stack, contrarian stack. And if this offense could take a step forward with all the weapons that they've added, this is the year to do it. If Daniel Jones can't do it now, he's never going to do it. We can say the same thing about Sam Darnold. We can talk about how great Sam Darnold can be in this offense, but Sam Darnold also has never done anything in his career either. I mean, the man was seeing ghosts against the Patriots a couple years ago, right? <laughs> so we want to joke about Daniel Jones. It's the same situation for these two quarterbacks. So I don't mind taking a shot on this quarter on a quarterback like Daniel Jones super late in a draft and taking some of these secondary pieces on this offense. You're Speaking better suited of, just to get those pieces, Kev. You're better suited just to take a Sterling Shepard as your sixth, seventh wide receiver off the board. 
Then you, you know, can. we need to clip that. That that was that that was the case right there for Daniel Jones. I just made the case for Daniel Jones. <laughs> Lock it in. Put on TikTok. We, we we need to we need to clip it and get it the fuck out of here before people actually see you talking about Daniel Jones and stop following us. True. True. And speaking of Danny Dimes, we got Walido in here dropping Canadian dimes with the uh, with the super chats. We appreciate you coming through with those, my man. Those that is uh, ten Canadian dollars well spent just to just to come at Kev's neck. We uh, we, we appreciate you rolling through with that, Walido. <laughs> Walido's the go, dude. Ryan, how's it going? You know, you, you just come in. We don't even really announce it. You know, you've been gone. That you know, you're you're supposed to be the matriarch of this show, the leader of this show, the, the matriarch. The, yeah, the, 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 the intro, the monologue. There's, there's no monologues with Cody. Okay. Cody doesn't need, do any monologues. That matriarch clip. That's the that's the that's the biggest compliment since he gave me the Davante Adams do. Well, uh, you're, you're supposed to be you know you're supposed to be the leader of the DJ Nation, right? <laughs> It's fine. Hey, we got DJ, Cody. Okay, DJ Cody's Nation's doing a, a good job. Strong. Don't forget that. But how are things going for you? Things are chilling, man. You know, we're getting into the summer. Um, it has been a while. Good to see you guys. I mean, um, been lis- been listening in, listening to the Stack Show, um, listening to you go on your tirades, Kev. Uh, it's all it's all in good fun. So uh, yeah, man, just trying to get get stuff geared up for the season. I mean, we're almost a hundred days away from from kickoff which is crazy um so i'm just excited to get get back in gear um sick of talking about you know what is to become of it i mean i can't wait for these guys to report to camp we just went through a whole year without these guys going through camp without any preseason without any preseason dfs so it's going to be a lit year this year um so that's good man i'm just hoping that you know the future wifey doesn't doesn't kill me over everything that I'm doing um, related to related to sports right now, but uh, weddings in three weeks from Thursday. Nice. What kind of, what kind of content can we expect from you as the season gets here? Uh, I know I want to consume that. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be some some content. I feel like um, I'm waiting for these landing spots and where we can see these guys going to be. Uh, I heard some of that Julio talk there. Um, would love to see where he ends up going so that we can, you know, actually talk about something of substance. Uh, love to see this Aaron Rodgers saga play out. But I, I do think that at this point in time, he's going to be back in Green Bay. Um, it's just hard to see him go anywhere else at this current juncture. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe he holds out. I don't I don't know. But I still think he's got something left in the tank. I don't think he wants He's not going to retire. He's not going to let his le- his legacy live off of that game with them not kicking a field goal, him not running in the end zone for the touchdown. Like he needs to come back and prove something. So definitely going to start some reaction pieces off of that. And then, yeah, man, we're just trying to grind this best ball content um, and get into this mania here that underdog has so graciously um, put together, uh, which is like, I don't even know, not even 20% full yet. I keep going in these $25 contests. And I'm like, it, it's not even creeping up. I feel like just the D-Gen family is the only ones who are getting in there and uh, moving the needle. So that'll be good. And then, yeah, man, I'm just trying to get these notes on the team so that we can look in a preseason DFS and find those Keelan Coles, find Let's those Jacoby Myers. And, uh, and sky's the limit from there. I need to buy me I, – I have my Keelan Cole jersey. I need a new one for this year. So let's – 
we'll see what you can dig you, up. You definitely do. You definitely do. You need that darling. I need it. The Maddie Ice darling. Need it. Through. Ryan, who have you been getting the uh, like the most exposure to? Do you like uh, just off the top of your head? Are there any guys that are sticking out to you that you seem to be picking up in in every draft? Uh, let's see, Lamar. Uh, let's I, go. I, I I'm, I'm in on I'm in on Baltimore, dude. I'm, let's I'm go. Uh, I got got a Lamar future on MVP. Like I I just I don't know. I mean, he's got the contract. He's going to get the second contract coming up if they don't, you know, use the franchise tag on him once or twice. I feel like Baltimore's going to have to see what they have in him. And so he's he's got to put up or shut up. They got the offensive weapons around him. Um, you guys were talking about J.K., but I just I don't know. I think Lamar's explosive. And then I don't go J.K. I go, you know, Rashad Bateman in double digit rounds. You can get Gus Edwards in double digit rounds and get that backfield. Um, definitely like that exposure. Uh, love the Deontay Johnson call. I I just the way that the the way that my teams have been going, um, I haven't been able to get to him. But I I'm not drafting Juju and Chase Claypool is is going ahead of Deontay sometimes, which I think is crazy. So I don't know what that's about. But um, but yeah, Ravens offense. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Devontae Smith. I, I like um, loving the Jalen Rager and the slot talk. I do like Philly. Uh, let me pull up some of my teams here and just see uh, the Saint, the Saints calls is great. I mean, Adam Troutman at tight end. I feel like this, you know, no Jared Cook, no Emmanuel Sanders. Target's got to go somewhere. Anybody who can, you know, get that low A dot equity. I, I think it is going to be Taysom Smith as the starter somewhat as we get into the season. Uh, you guys were talking about Chase. I think Maddie was talking about Chase being in an overvalue. I just wait till I can get Boyd, dude. I mean, who's to say that Boyd is not going to, you know, get a target share in this offense when they tried every they tried every way to make three wide receivers viable, and AJ Green is just dust. So, but he was on the field, and then when it wasn't him, it was freaking Tate uh, who was getting some targets. So, like now you got three legitimate weapons and him, Higgins, and Chase, like, these guys are going to eat if Burrow's, you know, all well and good. I saw D-Bro tweeting about, like, the 60-yard the throws, and, oh, I didn't know his ACL was on his arm. I was dying. Uh, but I, I think it's, yeah, I think Burrow looks great. And so give me a piece of that offense late with Tyler Boyd. I love that. And then, uh, Kev, I think you were talking about LaVisca, or uh, you were talking about DJ Chark. Um, I have tried to get some exposure to Jacksonville. They've only they did one one game last year, but I still think that they have room to grow with Trevor Lawrence being there. So I love all the pieces, man, of that offense. And I think James Robinson, too, is going under undervalued. I mean, you're talking about he's undrafted and they brought ETN in, but we don't know what ETN's role really is going to be right yet. And I still think that if they're already talking at this point that James Robinson is going to be early down backs. Like I'm not even looking at Carlos Hyde, even with the Urban Meyer connection, like we can forget about him except for maybe week one DFS, but James Robinson is going to have a role on this team, like for sure. And people don't want to, people want to draft him like the RB three right now in best ball, like an RB three, not the RB three in RB three. It's crazy. And so like, if I already have two stud running backs at the beginning, if you're drafting early on in drafts, a top five pick, like you can get James Robinson in the eighth or ninth round sometimes. That's that's just wild to me 
to think about who's going in that range at running backs, like Chase Edmonds and Mike Davis, those guys, they're already off the board. So you're looking at like Tony Pollard going in that same range as James Robinson. It's like this dude will be on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. I like getting exposure to Saints, uh, Ravens, Jacksonville. And then, of course, we talked about Indy way early on. So we still got to go with Indy. Paris Campbell, bounce back season. Let's go. Yes, sir. Michael, I think we could have brought up ETN as someone who is overvalued currently. I think he's going like the the end of the fourth. Like I, I think that was a, another running back name we could have we could have yeah. brought up because he's he's for him to pay that off he's going to have to eat into the James Robinson carries uh, a lot more than I think what he is he's going to. I, I think people view I, I think. I think there's a possibility that Urban Meyer really is an idiot and thinks that he that Travis Etienne is like what because if you remember, I mean, what what he said after they drafted him is they really wanted Kadarius Tony. They were mad that they couldn't get Kadarius Tony, so they took right. Travis Etienne. That's why they took Travis Etienne, and then then they, then they went on after talk about that as Percy Harvin and all these same guys that they want to use in this type of role. Like, and I think everybody's like, ah, oh, he's not that stupid. That's not really what he's going to do. Like, but like. It seems like that's what he's gonna do, and yeah. so until we get other information, too. yeah, and it's like it's, it's like, and maybe that is what he, that he really yeah. is right now, and that's really what he's gonna be is more of just a gadget guy. They don't view him as a traditional running back, and he's not gonna sit here and take over this backfield and be the ever down every every down bucker, which then makes James Robinson a tremendous value, right? right. Like because because he's just gonna continue to fall down. He's not he, he's not going to start coming up unless something crazy happens. Um, I, I don't think he's going to come up that much. And so James Robinson very well could be an undervalued target because he very well could be the sure. lead back of this offense. Who is you know he's a you know he, he's not somebody you'd want you're going to want to take. Obviously you know you never feel comfortable taking the first three or four rounds, but all that's being baked out of it now, right? If he can right. give you five or six usable weeks, seven weeks, you know somewhere in that range, you're thrilled at where you're able to get him, and he could provide more. Because we, I mean, James Robinson, in my eyes, is a good running back, right? And so I, I think he has gone a little bit too far down, and I think he could end up being somebody that that we kind of look back on. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, for at least for year one, uh, we 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 got a little too under uh, underweight on him. Yeah, I mean, people were moving James Robinson and Dynasty, you know, for peanuts. I felt like just because of Etn being there or on the off chance that Jacksonville drafted a running back. And it's like, this dude could still, you know, have value. I mean, he had one of the, you know, it's like, where do we, where do we stop and like not try and overthink shit as, you know, analysts, quote unquote, like in the industry, like I think never, he he had the best season of an undrafted running back ever in the history. And that's a detriment to him. Why? Like, why is that a detriment? He Because he was undrafted, and so he's the first one to do that. And it's like, okay, well, now we got that best season out of him. He can't ever do that again. Why? Like, maybe the dude's just good, and the NFL just missed on him. Like, I mean, it's Well, if it's you remember, too, he's also, he's also only under a three-year contract, right? And so next year is actually his, his contract year. And so uh, because he was an undrafted okay. agent, it's not like he was signed to this long extension or this long deal. So, uh, you know, he's in the second year of that deal. Next year will be the last year of that deal. And so for him, like, if he ever wants another contract, like, I mean, he has to produce this year. So, 
You know, right. I think people are just expecting that James Robinson is going to fall his bat on his face. Tra- Travis Etienne is going to take over, and he's going to be the lead back the rest of the year. James Robinson is going to be an afterthought. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think James Robinson is good enough to hold off Travis Etienne, maintain that role as the early down lead, uh, the uh, early down back, and you know still have some pass catching upside. You know, Travis Etienne is definitely going to eat into that for sure. Uh, and, and that's some of the, the stuff that's going to come off there. But you're no longer taking James Robinson. You're not taking him in the third round, the fourth round. I mean, if you can get him in the sixth, the seventh, I mean, that, that that's really solid value for him. But what what are you guys doing with the Patriots offense? And this 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 might be a blind spot for me and recency like and also recency bias, but I fucking hate the, the Patriots. Like I just hate all of their players. And I like everybody's like, oh, we should send Julio Jones to the Patriots. Fuck all that. Like I right. I don't want him to die. Like I I, I want to still be able to like Julio Jones and, and I'm still watching play good football. Like the Patriots right. offense, I know people are thinking, oh, Cam Newton's going to bounce back this year. Certainly possible, but it's also just as likely that he that, that, that he just fucking sucks. All right, again, <laughs> and it doesn't do anything. And then this offense isn't like we act like this offense is so much better than what it was what it was last year. Yeah, they have players with pulses now. Cool, right? They they, they right. have the two tight ends. Their wide receivers are still trash. They overpaid Nelson Aguilar, and and so this offense isn't nearly as good as what people think that it is. Their offensive line is still very suspect. They lost Joe Tooney, and so listen, I like. I know, like people can still want, and I'm starting to hear like this stuff that the Patriots' offense could be low key, like a top five offense. I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that! <laughs> like, there ain't going to be no, they're they're, they're not There's that. No chance. Could Cam Newton bounce back this year? Absolutely. I think it's certainly possible that Cam Newton could bounce back this year, and he has rushing upside and all that stuff. And you know, with Mac Jones, you know, see how he does, you know, year one. So I think Mac Jones is definitely going to play this year. But like, I don't think this offense is as good as what people think that that, that it's going to be. I will preface it by saying I'm not drafting any Patriots players in fantasy, but I think the personnel of who they've assembled in terms of a real-life offense, I think what each player does well complements everybody else, what they do well on the on the offensive side of the ball. But you've got Janu who can really do anything. You know, he, you can move him in and out of the backfield. Uh, he's a yards-after-catch monster, um, whereas Hunter Henry's more of a field-stretching pass catcher. Uh, down the middle of the field, you know, Aguilar, we just saw what he could, he did Las Vegas last year. He's more of a field stretcher. Um, so they've got possession, possession guys. They've got, you know, field stretching guys. Uh, they've got James White still out of the backfield. They've got Damian Harris, you know, who can run the ball. Cam Newton can run the ball. I just think they're going to use a lot of misdirection and, um, Probably a ton of 12 personnel. I, I, it wouldn't make sense for them to have both those tight ends and not run 12 personnel. So I think it's going to be more of – I think they're a better real-life offense, but it's like a lot of just kind of blah performances. Um, but I think each what each guy does well on the team complements the skill sets of everybody else. No, that, that that's fair, Maddie, and I just bring it up because, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like you guys. Like, I just – I can't – figure out that offense at all. Um, and I think that I, like, I don't even know if cam finishes the season. Like, do we think yeah. cam finishes the season? I mean, they, they considered Jared Stidham over him. Like, I mean, that's, that's all we need to know. Right. But the de- the defense, like getting these guys back who opted out last year, who didn't want to play in the COVID stricken year or whatever, like, okay, that might help some things, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, if cam's not having to put up, you know, for sure, 21, 28 points in every game that they're in. 
um, may, maybe he does have some value there, um, depending on where you can get him. He's the only guy that I think you can legit trust outside of maybe Janu, um, like late, if you feel like you want to get any type of exposure to that. Like I'm not drafting Henry. I'm not really touching any of the wide receivers. I'm definitely not touching anybody in the backfield. Like miss me with Damian Harris, miss yeah. me with all these other guys who they got running out there. Like it's no chance. It's going to be a headache all the way around for fantasy right. purposes. I feel like if you could, if, cause I don't mind Damian Harris. Like, He's not being drafted that high. I think he's really? like going in the seventh round. But the thing that's frustrating with them is uh, trusting them that they're going to give him, you know, the, the, the proper. Because I definitely think he's the best running back they have. Um, yeah. he, he flashed oh, right. a lot last year. And again, but the, the frustrating thing with him is he's not really going to have any pass catching upside. Um, and, and Cam steals a lot of the goal line carries, too. Right. But like I don't mind it because he's not <laughs> like getting, all of them. He's it's not like being taken in the fourth right. round. Right. So if you can get him in the yeah. seventh, eighth round, I don't mind. I don't mind snagging him there. Yeah. And I mean, then, too, I mean, if you run into the Mac Jones ends up starting more games than Cam, you now have a goal line running back for over half the year. Right. Right. So, I mean, there is upside to that. And that's true. You know, the seventh or eighth round. So I, I don't I don't necessarily hate that. I mean, he had a couple hundred yard performances last year, too. Yeah. He, yeah. When he was healthy, he was he was turning them out. Um, it's just a matter of yeah, what the offensive personnel looks like. If, because yeah, if Cam is the quarterback, you best believe that like <laughs> if it's inside the ten yard line, dude's taking it off. He's taking off and running. Yeah. So I, I want to know where do you guys think Julio Jones end up? Not where you want him to go. Where do you ultimately think Julio Jones winds up? I I honestly can't see him going to an NFC team. Like I just I just can't imagine that Atlanta would I mean unless the price is right I guess um t- Tennessee needs to be on the phone like right now to get Julio I I just I just think that's a foregone conclusion like this this team is in jeopardy of like really missing out on a window here that they've had with Ryan Tannehill and like I just don't know how good they are unless they get some help in there on the offensive side of the ball and like this stuff about, you know, like Derrick Henry, and we talked about this from like a PPR standpoint because of D- DFS, but like this offense is going to take a major hit. Like if they're running this personnel out, I just, I just have to believe that. Like, I don't think that we're going to, you know, whatever it is, two, 2,000 yards, 1,800 yards, 1,700 yards, like they might be in some negative game scripts where Derrick Henry is just like, he, he just might not be on the field. They, maybe they use, Darrington Evans more get a pass catching back back there who instead of you know Derrick Henry I don't know I mean and AJ Brown like where he's going I mean it's it's fine I guess if he's the only guy but I think from a real life fantasy from a real life football standpoint they should be on the phone trying to get Julio Jones I just think they need another offensive weapon to help go along with it and I think losing Arthur Smith is going to be huge for this team um so that's I I think Tennessee needs to be on the phone to get him um, probably Kev, he ends up in New England because New England does New England things. <laughs> um, so it's not going to be good, but, but yeah, I don't think he ends up in the NFC. So I'll go with Tennessee as the pick there. I think the chargers could end up being the team that, that is that, uh, that would be nice. They have that. They have, they have that. They have the space. They could do it. They could, um, um, I need to make a few little changes here and there, uh, but I think they could definitely do it. And I mean, they're a team like, you know, Mike Williams uh, hasn't really panned out as a deep threat. Um, you know, Keenan Allen isn't getting any younger either, but you know, you're in that rookie contract window with, with, uh, 
with, with Justin Herbert, try to surround him with as much talent as you possibly can. And, you know, being able to get uh, Julio, like that offense um, becomes even better. I mean, you're, you're, you're probably talking top – lock probably to top five, right? Um, a top five offense with Justin Herbert yeah. there. Um, and so, you know, Julio and Keenan Allen in the slot, you know, Mike Williams on the other side. Uh, Those Jared Chiefs Cook. games would be lit, bro. Yeah, Dude, talking, me, like remember the Rams Chiefs game a few years ago, and they, they that yeah. yeah, and so I, I think I think charges as a, a definite real landing spot for them. And I, I don't know if like, but it, it really would be a very Pete Carroll thing if the Seahawks traded for Julio. But they're like, no, no, homie, we're still not passing the ball. You know, 25, 30 rush chips a game. Okay, that, that's how it's going to be. We're going to give these guys five, 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 five targets a game. I don't know, but because I know, I think because they, they moved up, right? Aren't the or at least yesterday Seattle was like one or two in terms of uh, the Vegas betting odds. Uh, oh, really? Random, yeah. Man, the, the the reports, dude. Those reports will do it. Well, speaking of betting odds on landing Julio, uh, my squad has jumped up to the second uh, second in odds on landing, and that's the, that's the Rams. Which uh, is it, interesting because yesterday the because it came out the Rams were out on them. Yeah, for quote for now. I, dude, I'm telling you, there's one organization that don't give a damn about draft capital and right. uh, saving picks and the salary cap, and it's the Rams. I mean, that Jalen Ramsey trade, they just brought in Stafford. Like, their Super Bowl window is right now. Right. And it, there is, like, if you're going to replace Van Jefferson with Julio Jones and go for a Super Bowl, now's the time to do it. So that's, that would be my pick. pick. <laughs> you say what? Yes. Matt Stafford, top five quarterback. Oh, he would. Matt Stafford's value would be. That'd be epic. It would be through the roof if he went to if Julio landed there. See, That'd it's just I, I don't necessarily think you know maybe like that he actually does land there. I just think that the Rams have done enough crazy shit to where it's believable and possible. And then the Vegas odds jumped from plus sixty six hundred to plus five hundred over the last week. So well, there's they, definitely traction to it. <clears throat> but see, the that's Rams the same thing have, with the Chiefs. Right, because and it's not it's not a fan yeah. of the but like honestly, like if you look at what the Chiefs have done, like uh, like Brett Veach has proven he doesn't give a shit about first round picks. We traded our first round pick for Ryan O'Brien. We traded our first round pick for Frank Clark. Like the, the Chiefs do not give a shit about their first round picks. They're going to do whatever they can to make this team better. And like I, they, I, I could see them ultimately giving them a first round pick for him. I think I, I'm curious as why it's it's, it's taking this long. Um, I don't. I I think there might be something else going on that or maybe a team's trying to create space for him or something like that um, to be able to make it work. Because I just can't imagine it's taken this long. Uh, past you know, it's not like these teams haven't been talking pre June first, you know, right. and so now it's here and it still hasn't happened yet. Um, I know they're probably trying to you know raise the you know raise his, his capital a little bit, but. I, I tend to believe there's probably a team out there that's already said, I'll give you a first-round pick. Because if you're a team like the Chiefs who, or the Rams, I guess for that matter, who feel like my pick is going to be 28, 29, 30, 31, you don't give a shit about your first-round pick. It's, it's, it's basically you know a second-round pick. So why do you care about your first? Like People tend to, especially fans, tend to overvalue their picks, right? We can't give away our first-round pick for a 33-year-old wide receiver. Like, Shut the fuck up! Like, <laughs> how many? Like, how many? Especially picks I, in that range. I can't tell you. Bus. I can't tell you how many uh, uh, articles I read on that when the Dallas gave up a first rounder for Amari. 
Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, it's like, over how you pick so, so, so often. Like, Amari Cooper was like 20-something years old. He's like uh, younger than some of the wide receivers that are getting drafted <laughs> in the draft. If Julio is the, the missing piece to the Super Bowl, right? Let's say the Rams go to the Super Bowl and they win a Super Bowl for Julio Jones. You look at back and be like, man, I wish we wouldn't give up that first-round yeah, right. pick. <laughs> Super Bowl is cool, but I wish we wouldn't have gave it up. You know, like, yeah. no, it's it, – like, it's like, all about Super Bowl, gives man. A shit. These yep. teams that are in the win now mode, the Chiefs, the Rams, these types of teams that could possibly just that's all they, they maybe need to get over the hump or get back over the hump is Julio. Like you're shit, fuck it. Like here's my first, here's a third round pick. Take and, we've, and we've and we've seen Julio. and we've right. seen dynasties are literally impossible to assemble unless you're unless you have Tom Brady on your team. Uh like <laughs> I mean, even the Patriots couldn't three peat. They won three in four years. Um, and then that Seattle team that everybody was saying, uh, you know, was going to be the next dynasty, Legion of Boom, blah, blah, blah. What they win? They won two Super Bowls. They won one. One Super Bowl. Yeah. So, like, dynasties are are just not a thing. And you, you just need to play. When you have a Super Bowl roster, a Super Bowl capable roster of winning the Super Bowl, you just go for it. And, yeah. like, screw the, screw the next three years. Who cares? If you can win a Super Bowl, you do it. No, the the Chiefs are the Chiefs are well within play. I feel like I mean that is that that is banana. I mean, if if Mahomes has any say, which I think he does, you know, granted the money he's making, like bring Julio in, let's put let's run it and let's make it happen because that that's a great fit. And then Atlanta, you know, they don't got to see him. You know, he's in the AFC. They don't care about that. Um, the Rams though, they don't have a first round pick until twenty four, right? Till 2033, I think. 33? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, in, that's interesting, <laughs> yeah. though, because, like, you know, we know Matt Ryan's getting older, so, like, we know Atlanta is going to want a first-round pick, like, pre- pretty soon. You I know? mean, are they going to get one, though? Oh, yeah, well, again, I, I think I think a team I can see doing it is, like I said, a team that picks really late in the draft. Like the Chiefs, right. you feel like, okay, I, I feel confident I'm going to be picking 30. I don't really give a shit about my first-round pick, right? And I, I could see the Chiefs giving, like, a first and a third, and then the the Falcons trading a second, you know, or something like that, or a pick swap in the third round, or, or collecting an extra third, where the where the Chiefs do something like that. Why the hell, Walido, would the would would would, would the, the Falcons want Stephon Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not winning. Well, well, so you're, you're you're getting rid of. Why, why the hell would you do that? So, real quick, uh, I know the cap. Is a is basically a mirage. We saw what you know teams like KC did, but the teams right now that wouldn't have to do anything to their cap space, who could afford the uh, the fifteen million dollar cap hit that Julio comes with, uh, Washington, Indy, San Fran. I mean, Detroit's not going to do it. Cincy, New England, Chargers, Cleveland Browns would be would be super interesting. Uh, Jets, Broncos, Jags. Obviously, you know. Maybe Den like I don't see Denver doing that either. So you're kind of looking at Cleveland, Los Angeles, Patriots, Niners, Colts, maybe Washington. Like that could be interesting as well with with uh, McLaurin and the offense and the the defense they have as well. Well, the the, the Chiefs can do it. All they have to do the 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 thing that they that that would be the easiest path to making it happen. They just need to restructure or re-sign Tyron Matthew. And that frees up their money they need for this year to be able to do it. Because next year they have they have a lot of different they're they're gonna Chiefs are gonna have a lot of money next year. 
But you're right. That, I hear that every, every all the time because people keep saying that. Oh, they don't have the money. Every everything they do. So, I mean, but they continue to find money because right. uh, they, they are actually a good front office and know how to um, structure contracts to be able. Because essentially, Pat Mahomes' contract is pretty much set up every single year for them just to turn it into a bonus every single year. As as as, as the way they've set up this contract, and they're right. probably going to do it every single year to to continue to get this uh to, to get this extra money and but the, the chiefs are really top heavy too uh but i would be surprised they're gonna they're gonna cut frank clark and anthony hitchens after this year it's gonna free up another 20 some million so i don't know i just wish they would he would end up somewhere uh so we get so we can get it figured out and get it over with <laughs> right oh uh, yeah and also so we can just be absolutely inundated with all of the articles and quick hit pods and videos for uh for for holia landing somewhere TikTok videos. <laughs> I, 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 I did find it funny that Chase Claypool said something out about you know they they should they should bring him in. I'm like, and I was like, you know, it'd be really funny if uh, the Steelers did trade for him and then they traded Chase Claypool or Chase Claypool for him. Like, wouldn't that be hilarious? Like, oh, <laughs> oh man, I'm here for it. Hell why do you yeah. hate Chase Claypool? I don't know. Why. I, don't, I don't know why either. That is Mapletron to you, sir. <laughs> Fuck it is Mapletron. Not even if there's a fire, but I call him Mapletron. <laughs> Mapletron, jeez. Uh, anything else on your boy's mind? Nope. Nothing else? Nah. Ryan, where uh, where you guys have a honeymoon planned? Punta Cana. Nice. It's our, it's, it's our invitations. Our invitations are in the mail, aren't they, to the wedding? Oh, for sure. It's be showing up any day. This, yeah, DJ. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> I I was gonna say I expect you guys to just show up like wedding crashers. Oh, uh, that that that, hey, is, that that would be send good me time. the link. <laughs> I'll drop in for sure. It, it, it it's gonna be lit, man. It's gonna be lit. Yeah, that'll be sick. I had to get it in before the season. That's smart. That's smart planning for yeah. sure. Not like uh, Robbie Jeffries getting married draft weekend. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's rookie mistake right there. That marriage <laughs> he was on auto doomed. draft or what? <laughs> Wedding's just doomed. Marriage is doomed. Sorry, Robbie. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> your your future it. is already is already written. I love it. But Ryan, man, we're, we're excited for you with the wedding, with uh, with teaming up with FanDuel, doing content for them. We appreciate you dropping in. We, we, we know we'll see you around. Course. Around these parts, but you know, if, if we don't, best of luck with everything. Uh, you know, try trying to fill the shoes that you have left. I know there's uh, some monologues I got to get in. I'm always, you know, always trying to drop Maddie buckets. I'm, I'm doing my best, man. But uh, there, there, there's uh, there, there's some some big shoes to to fill with uh, with you heading over to to Fanduel. That that you got it right there. I mean, you know, you tell Kev his takes are awful and that you won't do rankings. And that that's first step. Maddie Ice, Maddie Bucket. I have, the, Maddie I, have the, I have the rankings part down. So I so far I have two of the three. Perfect. <laughs> that and that's that's all there is to it. And then the monologues, and you'll you'll get on that easily. So awesome. fun, man. No, I appreciate I appreciate you sending the link in, Kev. I I heard that Danny Downs, and I was like, what? I mean, the tool time, Child, on, please. the tool time on your ass had to had to come <laughs> on here real quick. Well, uh, hey. You know, I fully expect, and I, I, I'm fully planning 
you you better be here week one, uh, sit in that chair, ready to go. If you can't, I understand, but DJ. it would just be uh, you know, just more reason for me to hate FanDuel. So I know that's <laughs> I, know, I know you work for them, but uh this more reason for me it. to be like, fuck you, FanDuel. I love it. It's always it's always good to chop it up. No, we we definitely gotta keep the the DJ Nation family alive. Walido, I see you in the chat. Um, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year, man. We gotta we gotta get this money, bro. You know what it's about. We talked about doing that TFA trip. That's what it's about. We gotta pull that pull that together. Yes, sir. <laughs> Beach life. We'll do the banana boat reenactment. Well, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I think that is going to wrap it up. Appreciate all of you as always. Appreciate you, Ryan, Maddie, Kev. Uh, until next time, make sure you are subscribed, and we'll talk to all of you guys very soon. Think you can tell me what to do? Know who you're talking to? Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.